Hello everybody, my name is Nkozi and welcome to the Two Sides of a Coin podcast. We're still in our currently slightly more noisy location, but hopefully that'll change by next week. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about the based on a true story movie about Air Jordan with the titular titled Air. And we're also going to talk about some big news from HBO Max's latest press conference, specifically around the news of a new Harry Potter series. So, let's get started. When we watch movies, we're confronted with two terms on a fairly regular basis. One of those terms is called based on a true story. And another one is called a documentary. Now, one thing you'll learn very quickly about these two terms is that they don't mean the same thing. When you say a movie is based on a true story, what that means is it is a fictional retailing of real events with real people. And when I say fictional, I mean that not everything in the story actually might have happened the way that it's portrayed in the story. Whereas when you talk about a documentary film, what that usually implies is that this is a non-fictional retelling of a story with real people involved. So that means that everything that they say in the documentary happened as it's framed in the documentary. Now, You'll hear based on a true story a lot when it comes to Hollywood and their need to make movies based off of events that happened. One of my favorite movies that I grew up with that I remember that was based on a true story was Remember the Titans. Denzel Washington movie where he leads a newly integrated school to win the state championship amid the hemisphere of racism. And I really enjoyed that movie. And I used to think everything in that movie happened the way that it happened. However, the older I got, the more I found out that most of the movie was really false. Number one thing I found out was, hey, The story about the school being newly integrated, it had been integrated about 10 years by the time they'd won the state championship, the team. So the team and the school were both firmly integrated at that time. Another thing I found out was they weren't the only school that had black and white players. During their season, every school that they faced had black and white players because every school that they faced was integrated. Another thing I found out was they weren't even the underdogs in that movie. They were the second best team at the end of the season prior in the state. And while in the movie, most of those games are considered to be close or competitive in real life, a lot of those games were blowouts. In fact, they had, I believe, five or six games where 
the other team didn't even score a point. They were dominant that entire year, and that's only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this movie that I love that is based on a true story, and it is a true story. There was a team that did win the state championships where a player got hurt, competed in the Special Olympics, and died. One thing, though, about that last part, he didn't actually get hurt before the championship game. He got hurt a week after the championship game, so he actually played in the championship, which really does change the story, as it were, or at least how you remember the story and the emotional beats And that's the crux of a movie that's based on a true story. It's not about the every single event happening the way that it's supposed to in real life. It is simply about the broad strokes, the broadest of stroke actually happened. And there were real people that were associated with that super broad stroke. However, everything else and how it happened, you can definitely take with a big grain of salt. So having talked about that for a couple minutes, let's go to the movie Air, which is for the most part about Michael Jordan and the quest of Nike to sign Michael Jordan to their brand so that way they can start the Air Jordan shoe line that a lot of people, that everyone in the world really knows, and a whole lot of people love to this day. So this movie, you know, it takes place. We have Matt Damon, who plays the role of Sonny Vaccaro. He's a scout. He's considered a basketball guru. And they're trying to find the next player to wear their shoes. Because at the point that this movie takes place, the Nike division that a lot of people grew up with now, that was not Nike. In fact, Adidas and Converse were the leaders in terms of basketball shoes. Nike wasn't considered a cool shoe at that time. Quotation marks included. So... It's Sonny and his quest. He finds Jordan. Well, not really finds Jordan. His whole goal is, I think Jordan should be the player that we build around. That one special player that we bet everything on. In the way are standing, you know, Jordan's agent, who's played by Chris Messina, you know, and Jordan's family and Michael Jordan himself because Jordan at that time didn't love Nike he loved Adidas everybody loved Adidas and people liked Converse as well so really it's about Nike having to fight this uphill battle to try and even get in the door with Jordan let alone to actually get the shoe on Jordan's foot and get him to sign the contract. So that really is the broad strokes for 
the movie. So I'm going to start off with the good from this movie. The production design, I thought, was really solid, bar a few moments. Whenever they were in the Nike office, the way that everybody dressed, the way that the cars were, all of those little touches definitely felt like you'd gone back in time and you were in this time prior to the 2000s. It really felt like that in regards to Jordan and his franchise as a whole. Also, I thought that this movie did a really good job in making the characters all feel like they were real people. So as I mentioned, Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro, he is really good in this movie. He feels like he is a real person. He doesn't feel like he is superstar Matt Damon. He feels like he's a guy, a guy that sees something and he's willing to bet everything on this one person. You also have Ben Affleck. He's in the movie. He plays Phil Knight, who is the CEO of Nike. And from the stories I know of Phil Knight, where he was a semi-eccentric guy, he really liked running. He would walk around his office without shoes on at times, which is still weird to me. No offense to Matt Damon. It's just weird in general to walk around your office without shoes on. That's just a quirk of mine. But I thought Ben Affleck was good in that role. And this movie has a really solid secondary and side characters. You're talking about uh, Jason Bateman, who plays Sonny's boss or the head of marketing for the basketball division. You have uh, Chris Messina, who plays David Falk, Jordan's agent. And let me say... Chris Messina has some moments in this movie that absolutely steal the show. He is hilarious in this movie, especially when he's mad and he just is going off on Matt Damon for something that Matt Damon's character did. It is absolutely hilarious. He rides that line from being unlikable to just being likable. And in every moment where he is featured, he really, really just hits the nail on the head where, yes, this is how I want an agent to be if I was a professional athlete. He's not lovable. He is an a-hole. However, you get the feeling that he definitely gets the job done. So I thought they pulled that off really, really well. Also, I thought they had a really solid uh, dynamic duo of some big comedians who played some really solid supporting role work. And that is, you know, you had Chris Tucker, who played Howard White, who was a, who is a big time uh, Nike executive, as well as Marlon Wayans playing George uh, Raveling who is was a big time coach at the time and the thing that 
people will say about comedy is that comedy and drama are two sides of the same coin where a good comedic actor can usually transition very well into being a good dramatic actor and my personal opinion i thought this movie was a great example of marlon waynes and chris tucker showing that they can absolutely take on dramatic roles and i i do like that marlon waynes has started to take on more dramatic roles more high profile dramatic roles and obviously i really like chris tucker in this movie so i hope to see them both in a little bit more dramas or even some more comedies going forward because when they need to be funny they are funny and when they need to be serious i think they are great in how they pull that off so a plus to them and of course you have you know viola davis who steps in she plays dolores jordan michael jordan's mom and it's viola davis to say that she is amazing is to say water is wet it goes without saying that she absolutely steals the show whenever she is on the screen so let's let's even move past that because that that feels disrespectful to say that viola davis is really really good also the thing i loved in this movie was the sound design the sound design was really good and what i mean by the sound design is they did a lot of work to enter in songs from that time period and the songs would definitely foreshadow each moment that would happen at one point you know matt damon's character he goes down into the basement to talk to the shoe guru that they had over at uh nike the guy who was played by i think uh tom papa or no it was matthew mayer played uh peter moore and what i loved is when they had them come down the elevator they started to play the song computer love because he does a lot of high-tech stuff so i thought that's a good nod and they would constantly do that throughout the movie where they would foreshadow what was coming with a song from that time period and it would add a little bit of motivation if you were listening to it and it would definitely aid in the mood that they were trying to portray in each scene. So I thought they did that really well. So I've talked a lot about the good. Uh, so let's talk about the bad now. And you notice I've mentioned a lot of people in this movie. I've mentioned I've mentioned the executives over at Nike. I've mentioned coaches. I've mentioned members of jordan's family you know i even liked uh julius Tennant, who played michael jordan's dad because he came off as a really affable guy who was easygoing and i, I really liked his scenes whenever he got to react because i thought he definitely didn't have a lot to do but i thought he did 
great with everything he had. The one person I haven't mentioned here as doing a great job is uh, is Michael Jordan. Now, in this movie, Michael Jordan is played by Damian Delano Young. And if you're wondering, how does he look as Jordan? I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you I can't. And this this might come off as a huge spoiler. I don't think it does because this story is about Jordan. However, this story treats Michael Jordan like he is the plot device. So it's not that Jordan is important. It's everything that led up to the decision that is important. So with Damian Delano Young, how in the trailer you see his back, you see, you know, maybe his arm, maybe a hand. That is how much you see of Michael Jordan in the movie air. He is a plot device. He is the MacGuffin. He is the driving force behind a lot of the decisions that people make. He is not important. You really don't even hear him talk. So I felt really bad for the actor because this is the biggest movie he's been in. And yet you never see his face. He is perfect in that he walks, I guess, like Jordan. That's that's about that's the biggest compliment I could give him. I hope he has really a really good uh, career afterwards. This this is not the intro that I'm sure he hoped for. Another problem with the movie is that this movie relies a lot on your knowledge of Michael Jordan and his life and how much he is celebrated. So if you're not a Michael Jordan fan or if you know nothing of Michael Jordan, it's not going to ruin your enjoyment of the movie. What it will do, however, is not be as impactful. Because like I said, this is all based on a true story of Jordan signing with Nike. You are not going to get the same impact if you don't know the player, really. Also, this movie has a terrible habit of leaving dialogue out there to be like a wink and a nod towards the audience in and of itself. It like there were plenty of times in this movie where I was enjoying it and then they'd say something where they'd say, oh, how big could it be? And it's just like, you you know it's going to be big. We didn't need to say that. You could have said something different that could have gotten the same effect. You could have said something like, hey, maybe he'll be super big. And then, boom. This movie felt like it relied too much on these characters know that he's going to be super duper duper incredibly successful before he ever sets foot on the court because that's when this movie really takes place it takes place before jordan even starts his rookie year so that 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 was kind of a minus on my end also this movie is incredibly formulaic you know the good guys are going to succeed from the very minute from the very beginning 
you know who they're going to go after. You know that they're essentially going to get them. So there really is no drama. It's just you know what the end goal is going to be. So when they try and do real big drama, it doesn't necessarily land like you would hope. Simply because you know what's going to happen. Outside of that, you know, I think this movie, it's a good movie. I thought this movie was the answer for Hollywood when it says, can Hollywood make us root for a billion dollar company? And the answer was yes. Hollywood can still make us root for the massive corporation, even at that time, that was Nike. Even when they frame it the way that they frame it, it's still a huge business. And at the end of the, even at the beginning of the movie, you're rooting for them to be successful. So, as I said before, Matt Damon shines in his role as Sonny Vaccaro. Rest of the cast shines. Viola Davis shines bright and outshines everybody in this movie when she's on the screen. She's not on the screen for very long, but when she is, she absolutely outshines everybody. Downsides are Jordan is the weakest part of this movie, even though he is the MacGuffin. The plot was so straightforward. You could drive, you could put it on autopilot and just keep moving. It was that straightforward. There's no deviation. It felt like they knew what was going to happen, even if at that point in the movie, they shouldn't know what's going to happen. Outside of that, I would say this is a very enjoyable movie. I think if you went to the movies, I don't think you're going to waste your ticket. So I'd give this conservatively a 7 out of 10. This is not high cinema. This is a popcorn movie. It's a good popcorn movie. It's still a popcorn movie. So I say go out, enjoy it. If you want to have a good time, Air is definitely going to give you one, I think. All right. But if you disagree, if you hate it, or if you loved it a whole lot more than I did, please let me know. You know, email me, message me on Instagram, on Twitter. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. When HBO Max did their recent announcement, we found out two important things. One, very, very weird. And the other one, incredibly interesting. The first was that HBO Max would be rebranding and they changed their name. And they would no longer go by HBO Max. They would simply go by Max. In one of the weirdest rebrands I have ever heard in my entire life. Just going to say it right now. It is dumb that they're calling themselves from HBO Max to just Max. You didn't need to change it at all. I'm. This is baffling. It's a dumb move. Not even going to sugarcoat it. It's just bad. The second thing, however, that we found out was that the Harry Potter franchise, which HBO Max has, which HBO has access to, HBO Discovery, 
what we found out was that a new Harry Potter TV show with quotation marks heavily included was being announced. Now, let's answer a few questions about this new Harry Potter series. First thing, what is the series? And it is heavily suggested that this series is going to be a reboot of the Harry Potter books, starting from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone all the way to the very last book in the series. Now, originally, everyone thought it was just going to take place where one season would be one entire book. However, it's been suggested that the show might run for 10 years, which does seem to defy the whole one season per book idea. Second thing we found out is that this series is going to come relatively soon. Apparently, it's expected to air in 2025 or 2026. Now, I'm not sure if it's going to be called Max then or if it's going to be called Super Max or any other kind of Max. I'm, I'm just I'm really mad at the name. It's dumb. Oh, it's so dumb. However, they also revealed something else about this series, and that is, will this series have the previous actors? And right now, that answer is, we don't know. However, no actor that starred in the previous Harry Potter movies has been announced to be in this new series. And to put it in plain, the series was just announced. They don't even have a showrunner for this series. So when we say this series was just announced, we mean this thing was just announced. There is no action in regards to who is going to make the series outside of HBO Max. Now, just Max saying we are going to make this series. So I feel that with all these questions up in the air, we need to ask a couple of questions, you know, and those questions I think will be just why now? Why a reboot? Will this work? And what could they have done if they aren't so dead set on this reboot, if they're going to do something completely different? Let's start with the very first question. Why now? Personally, I think they're doing a new Harry Potter TV series because they paid a lot of money to have exclusive rights to the Harry Potter franchise. I mean, they've lost money on Harry Potter at this point simply because the Fantastic Beast movies have not been up to the standard that I'm sure money-wise they want those movies to be up to. Also, while the new Harry Potter game came out and it did really well and I think it's still doing really well. I think that's also shown that there is a lot of interest still in the Harry Potter franchise. People 
still love this world. They still have a lot of attachment to this world. I think Max and David Zaslav, specifically the CEO of now Max, I think they want to strike. And I think they really see that they have this huge IP, intellectual property, that they can use, that can make money, that has made money in the past. I truly believe they see this and they say, why is it languishing if we can bring it back? Let's bring it back and let's make a lot of money off this property. If they can make successful Harry Potter franchise, even do a reboot of the book series, and if it's successful, the amount of money that we're talking about is in the Star Wars Marvel vein, the Star Wars Marvel Game of Thrones vein of this could make some serious, serious money if it does do that. So that's one. Now, the second one is... Why a reboot? Personally, I think the reason you would do a reboot over doing another kind of story is it's easy and you already have a fan base that's familiar with it. It makes perfect sense. Why would you go the path of so much more resistance, which would be to create something new? When you can take this story that you already know has been successful in the past. I mean, it's been over a decade since the last Harry Potter movie came out. So why not just do it as a TV show? So many people still love the Harry Potter book series. So many people remember reading those books. I was a fan. Of reading those books. I remember when the fourth Harry Potter book came out. Harry Potter and the Triwizard Tournament. Huge book. My mom took me and my sister to the nearest Barnes and Noble on the day the book was to come out, a midnight drop, to get that book. We only had one copy between the two of us. And the entire, the, the entire Barnes & Noble was filled with parents and children who were really, really trying to get Harry Potter the next book. And they had events there. They had questions. They were giving out prizes. And Barnes & Noble was normally open that late. However, they were open till like 3 a.m. And I remember me and my sister getting that book at like 1 o'clock in the morning. We all hopped in the car and I read that book cover to cover in under a day. I did not even go to sleep. I remember reading that book in the car, getting home reading throughout the night into the morning got to the afternoon took a power nap reread the parts that i wasn't sure about then i gave it to my sister who finished it that weekend that is how big harry potter was
to me personally. It was, and it still is, a ginormous franchise. If you can tap in to even a tenth of that, you will have a massively successful show. Because it was like that the world over, even 20 years ago. So there are a lot of fans who grew up remembering Harry Potter. So I think if you work off the books, you're having a lot of people who are familiar with the story, who would easily buy in, and you could potentially bring in a whole new generation of Harry Potter fans. You could potentially bring in a whole new generation of Harry Potter fans into this franchise. Now, let's ask the next question of, will it work? And to be honest, the only way this could work depends on how much will David Zaslav and Discovery HBO be able to avoid the turf in the room. And when I say the turf in the room, I mean absolutely J.K. Rowling. If there is one person, I think, in the history of even just the world who has decreased the value of their product simply by opening their mouth and talking, it's J.K. Rowling. Her comments, the stance that she takes against uh, trans people in general, just the general sentiment that she's had, the amount of calling out that her books have had. I mean, let's be honest, in the Harry Potter book series, while I was young when I read it, seeing characters that are named Cho Chang and Kingsley Shackbolt does not inspire a lot of confidence. Let's just call a spade a spade there which considering the fact that i am talking about kingsley shackwalt and i just said call a spade a spade oh that doesn't sound great however this is the stuff that we're talking about the biggest detriment to harry potter honestly is the creator of harry potter and if you could remove the creator from the property harry potter I think wouldn't even be in the position it's in right now where we'd be wondering why Harry Potter isn't making money. She is the lightning rod for which this franchise is built off of. And when she was doing great, she's doing great. Now she's the lightning rod in the negative direction. So I honestly don't know if you could make a successful show with her being included or using her works simply because people are still going to there's still those parts about the harry potter franchise that is really weird the and i'm not gonna go into it it's it's too many things to go into the examples are there however and really the last thing which isn't necessarily a question it's more about a simple thought experiment which is if they don't do a reboot in the harry potter franchise of the books what else could they do in this universe now i'm not going to 
say if they should do it, if they shouldn't, should they support J.K. Rowling, should they not support J.K. Rowling? I'm not going to answer those questions. Those are questions that you need to answer for your own and on your own. What I will say is the Harry Potter universe, I think, needs to take the example that was done in the best of the sequel Star Wars movies, which is The Last Jedi. What is that lesson? The number one lesson that I feel they need to make, that they need to learn from, is they have this entire world of magical people, so they need to expand it and not subtract and compress it. When I say The Last Jedi is the best of the sequel movies, if you don't feel that way, I really don't want to hear it. It just is. And if you want to argue about it, argue about it to somebody who cares. Or, you know what? Write me an email. Tell me why The Last Jedi isn't the best one of the sequel trilogy. Because I would love to hear your explanation on any of the other movies being better than The Last Jedi. One of the big things that I liked The Last Jedi did is that it expanded the Star Wars universe in that when it debuted and it said Rey isn't related to anybody famous. Rey is powerful because Rey is just powerful. It expanded the Star Wars universe tremendously. And how did it expand the Star Wars universe tremendously? It expanded the universe tremendously because it cut away from the trope of the chosen one being related to somebody who themselves was great. You start to see the dots in that if the only reason that Luke Skywalker is great because he was the son of Anakin Skywalker who was great because he was created by a Sith Lord and that's the only reason that Luke Skywalker is Luke Skywalker. Nobody else could have done what Luke did simply because nobody else was born the way Luke was born and had the same lineage. Now, you could say, well, Leia could have done that. And that's true. However, you still have that problem where it's lineage. The most important people in this universe are the Skywalkers because the Skywalkers are the only ones that could truly be powerful. In The Last Skywalker, when they made Rey, spoilers here for if you don't know The Last Skywalker, when they made Rey an heir of Palpatine, they still upheld that same trope. Rey was not powerful because Rey is just powerful. Rey is powerful because Rey is the descendant of Palpatine. So she isn't powerful because it's her power. She is powerful because she is from a powerful lineage of force users. That is where the issue comes in. Imagine if they make a new series and they say, well, this takes place and this is about Harry Potter's kid. And they do 
a 10-year series about Harry Potter's child and how he becomes the hero that his father becomes. Why should anybody else be a hero if Harry Potter is the hero? You're related to Harry Potter, whose parents were also heroes, who was prophesied to be the hero. So yeah, it makes sense why you're the hero. And that's where the problems end up. When you expand your universe, when you say you are not special because of who you were born from, you are special because of what you do. That is how you make your entire universe feel bigger. That's how you make it feel like anyone could be the next hero. It's not about how you're born or what you're born into. It can easily be about what you do to achieve greatness. That was the idea that I thought Star Wars was going to build towards. However, it did not do that. It's also the reason why... And no, that's not true. It's also a big reason why Star Trek can also feel really small. Simply because Star Trek was about the adventures of the Enterprise, the best ship in the fleet. Star Trek The Next Generation was about the adventures of the Enterprise, the best ship in the fleet. It wasn't until Deep Space Nine and Voyager when they talked about it and they said, these are two places that aren't the Enterprise. It made the Star Trek universe bigger in general. Because this is not about the people who are on that best ship of the fleet. This is about these group of Starfleet officers and how anyone in Starfleet could be great because Janeway is great. She wasn't a member of Starfleet. She was a member of Starfleet, but she wasn't a member of the Enterprise. Cisco is great. He wasn't a member of the Enterprise. That is making your universe feel bigger not smaller so let's let's really go into what those ideas could be i know in the harry potter universe they've introduced different wizarding schools they could realistically have their next tv show take place at a different wizarding school in a different country if you do that that's an easy way to sidestep any problems of well, what's going on with Harry? What's going on with Hermione? What's going on with Dumbledore? And you can say, none of those characters matter in regards to this story. We're dealing with new characters from the ground up. They have no expectations to know or reference the people that we read in the books. Also, we don't need to mention either the Fantastic Beasts franchise if you don't want to. The only thing we need to focus on is the story that we have laid out. Now, I don't think they're going to do that. However, if they were to do that, I think that would be an incredible place to start from. But this is really early on, and time will tell if this even goes through, and if it does go through, if it's even successful. So, let me know what you guys think. You know, feel free to send me an email or a tweet or 
even a comment on Instagram about what if you believe that this new this new uh Harry Potter show can well and truly be successful. So, if you want to hear more about the podcast, or you want to contact us, there are several ways you can do it. You can hit us up on Twitter. That's at Two Sides Coin. That's T W O S I D E Z Coin, all one word. If you want to get us on Instagram, that's Two Sides of a Coin. If you want to email us with your opinions or any kind of comments that you might have, it's at two sides podcast at gmail.com. That's T W O S I D E Z podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys in regards to your opinions and how you want to move forward or how you want the podcast to improve. We're always open to your guys' opinion. So, you can hear the podcast on Podbean and on Spotify, and we would love to hear from you. So, everybody, have a good rest of the week, and we'll talk to you guys next Wednesday.